0: everybody to cnc replay i'm noel
1: i'm Corey, and i i like i'm i don't even have any jokes to say because (laughs) i'm just i'm just so sad i'm just i'm just sad noel entering
0: this in a depressive state yes
1: because like we we i feel like a lot of what we talk about between the three of us or the two of us or the six of us depending on Who's on? Um, like, we just talk about how dumb some things are about sports, and like how like not good, like some things. Are. I mean, last week we talked about like what would we do to fix All Star weekends for um, the four majors. Homegirl, baseball just continues to shoot itself in the foot like all the time, mm-hmm. and this is negotiations are not going well for baseball right now. And I'm going to check my phone before. I thought I had an update. We, I could have put words directly into my mouth before I said them, but alas, no. So they set this deadline Monday night to get the season started on time or to not cancel or not shorten any games. Mm-hmm. And Rob Manfred has been on record saying canceled games for the MLB season would be catastrophic for the sport. Which is a big word to use it's a ginormous word is he using. somebody that
0: uses hyperbole a lot is he somebody that over exaggerates all the time
1: Rob Manfred doesn't know what he's doing anytime I just which was asking
0: would... about his speech patterns I know that he's not a good <laughs> commissioner I know that that's the thing
1: that guy's a maroon um <laughs> I would say he uses it to like diffuse situations so like with the whole Astros cheating scandal mm-hmm. like he he was he's been quoted to say ah oh, it's just the the World Series trophy is just a piece of metal. And it's like, bro, this is, this is, you're you're the commissioner of this sport. How can you say that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad.
1: That's bad. That's bad. bad. Like we've talked about like Manfred may be the one commissioner that just despises his sport. And I'm pretty (laughs) sure every day this is more and more of a reality, but I digress. They set this, they set this deadline to put pressure on the players and the players are not budging. They're I mean they want a better deal for themselves. And I know it's millionaires and billionaires fighting over millions and this is this is a it's it's weird because anytime we hear about labor battles like it's often like the I don't know, the Starbucks workers against corporate. So right. like more real like where it's like the middle class
0: against the millionaires rather than right this one percent against a a higher one percent i don't know what billionaires are but
1: right yeah and i saw i saw something too like someone was trying to like in support of the players trying to say like oh like only 26 percent of the majors makes over like eight million dollars or something like that which could be true but you fail to you fail to mention the fact that the league minimum is around five hundred fifty thousand dollars to just play like if you are a minor league guy, you make it, you're making a game check equivalent per on a per game basis of five hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I will gladly take that. Yeah, I was so trying to like, do the
0: math to see how many years I would have to work to make that much money. Uh and I think it's somewhere around twelve, thirteen years to make that much money. You can do the math and figure out how much I make a year, but yeah, roughly that.
1: So, like, I I just, I don't like that that's also kind of, like, ah, like, feel bad for the players. Like, nobody feels bad for necessarily anybody in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I guess, like, oh, the players wouldn't get paid. That kind of sucks. But, like, you're also still, like, coming off of a year where you've made $8 million. Like, you can... I get you have a luxurious lifestyle, but you also have some, you also have much more money in the bank than <laughs> most people who pay to see you play. Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the real people who are going to suffer through all this is the fans. And I, I think it's just so short sighted. And that the
0: people that are working my like
1: too.
0: concessions, merch, those folks are going to suffer too.
1: That too. Yeah. Um, And I think it's so short-sighted, like, that, I mean, both sides, and we talked about this last week, both sides are working to get the best possible deal for them, Mm -hmm. Um, but it seems like the owners are, like, trying to, like, like get 100% of what they can get, and they're not budging at all, Mm. and they're sacrificing what they could, like, they are, they would rather not play this year and sacrifice potential earnings in the future based off of the repercussions of not playing these first few games in this month for the chance, the chance, not a like this. Now we know for a fact that they're not just going to be able to get whatever they want for the chance to get whatever they want
2: mm-hmm.
1: and for the chance to get a hundred percent of what they could possibly make. And like, it is greedy. 100% it is greedy. And yeah. it, it sucks that this is this narrative. And, and like, I feel like even in COVID, my my side shifted with the owners then because it, it seemed like the argument was, like, we're playing baseball um, and we want to – we're playing baseball. We want to get all of our contract in a 60-game season with no fans. And that's just not going to work either. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's just not. But you look deeper – it's talking about revenue sharing and all that stuff, but at this, at the end of the day, like in the COVID short season, the the people who are getting hurt the most are the owners in that situation. Now, fast forward, it's it's the owners trying to get that lost revenue back, I guess, so to speak, from that one year. But on the, uh, I just on the flip side, I always go back to it. MLB had a grand opportunity to be the only major sport on its stage when everybody was locked in their houses and they, they faltered mm-hmm. that. Can you imagine the growth that would have happened if you would have had baseball on for a month? And I'm thinking of it this way. You could have had games on from one o'clock to, to 10 o'clock every single day. Cause there's no fans. You could, you could figure out what you would do as far as travel plans, but you were already pretty, um, you were already pretty, uh, locked into your, your geographic location.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So at most you would just had to have played around with your division, you know, a little bit. And like when it's time for, uh, the, the, uh, Midwest teams to play at night, then you can have the West coast teams play in the afternoon, you know, and, and like, it would have been like a March madness type style, like, holy cow, Noel when nobody was watching anything at all, how awesome would have that have been to watch a game and have access to every single game that you could possibly get in the midst of a pandemic when you couldn't leave your house. Mm-hmm. It would, that would
0: have. Yeah. And yeah. especially cause like even people who are bored flipping through channels would have been like, Oh look a sport. I'm going to sit here and watch this. Cause there's no other options. Like it's not even the diehard fans would have loved it. It's. You know, the guy who watches basketball who is, you know, not able to do that right now. He's like, I miss sports. I miss, miss watching competition. He would have tuned in. 100%. Same, you know. 100%. Yeah. So I completely agree. Fully missed opportunity.
1: It it just kind of blows my mind that it, it's like they are ruining their chances for growth at any opportunity because they need to make the most money humanly possible right in this moment. Mm-hmm. Like the JG Wentworth, I want my money and I want it now. It's like, well, you do realize if you put this money away and save it for a rainy day, you could have a measurable more wealth. Right. They they just they couldn't see that. And I don't, I don't get it. Hmm. I really don't. I mentioned it probably last week. The Washington Nationals, New York Yankees opening day game. That, that one week where it was just baseball, that was one of the most watched Major League Baseball regular season games in the decade. In a game with zero fans in the stands.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You could have had that for a month. And who would have known? Like, the only way to grow any sport is to get it in front of more viewers. Yep. And you would have had a total, like, ambush lockdown of viewership because there was literally nothing else that anybody could watch and i know a lot of people that's that's the only way that they would watch baseball <laughs> if there was nothing else on tv and they couldn't watch anything else yeah you blew it you blew it and i think this labor negotiations it it has some sort of you know impact from the faulty like the faulty plan of covid baseball because I'll, I'll say like the 60 game season was a blast it was so much fun because it was like it was a sprint you uh you couldn't you couldn't do the things you necessarily wanted to do and like freaking teams that had no business being in the playoffs were in the playoffs and they were able to make some noise um and it was just exciting like it, it kind of gave everybody a chance mm-hmm. and that was something that you needed at that time mm-hmm. like the tigers were in a playoff hunt and they had no business being near anything None. ever. Like the last like two months to go in the season, which I guess the season was only two months, but like, like, it was like just over sixty percent of the games were completed, and the Tigers were were close. Mm-hmm. Not not saying they were going to make it, but they were they were close. Mm-hmm. And 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 yet still, it, it was a plan that could have been better. And now you're fighting for a plan that could have been better, but you're just so short-sighted. In I, I just, I don't, I do not understand. I do not get it.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's so frustrating on all all ends. And I don't even know how to like articulate that better. Because that's the overwhelming emotion is just frustration.
1: Yeah. Because I, I mean, I love baseball, Noel. I know you do. It's my first love, and man, it just—it's—it's gonna be a real, real shame if this sport just continues to go down this path. Hmm. Because even in the midst of like people said baseball was dying, viewership was starting to go up. They were starting to do some more things right. Again, All Star Weekend in Major League Baseball is the best all-star game that any of the four majors have you have a star like shohei otani who's getting a ton of coverage because of what he's doing is a complete enigma we haven't seen this Mm -hmm. since the birth of baseball a hundred years ago and now you're getting a bit of resurgence and then you you ruin it you ruin it by having a labor dispute Mm -hmm. if i if i'm if i'm an mlb owner I'm trying everything in my power to get as many games as possible and to market my team as much. And if I have to take a little bit of a hit, I don't know what the margins are, but if I have to take something down to get there, man, it would be so worth it in the long run. But no, we just, we got to, we got to do, we got to get 100% of the money that we can possibly get. I mean, like, obviously that's smart. You want you, like for margins, like for any product that you sell, you want to like work You want to work at the margins. You don't want to sell it for just 20% uh, above what it costs to make it. No, you want to get as much as you can. But the owners are trying to like quadruple Mm -hmm. their money, you know? And it it just doesn't, like that's not even how the world works. Nobody gets 100% of what they want ever. You have to work within the margins. Mm -hmm. I just, and then all all of the stuff with, you know, teams paying only a certain amount to be competitive, um, but not like contenders, you know. So like like a, a Mariner situation, like the Mariners overperformed, but a team like the athletics, like they're constantly in the conversation, but their payroll is like bottom third. And owners are trying to work their way around it. Like add more playoff spots so we can so we can be mediocre and still get in and get that playoff revenue. Mm-hmm. So, man, I don't know. I'm just sad. I'm really, really sad. I'm sad. I want baseball to come back. Um,
0: I would also appreciate baseball coming back.
1: And it looks like it won't. Uh, I do have another thing to add. Hmm. Um, The cool thing about baseball, too, so they do All-Star Game Weekend Mm -hmm. well. uh, Preseason as well preseason destination, they get revenue from that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very interesting that when baseball comes back, we'll get a full spring training, but not a full regular season. Yeah. Most, mostly to soup up for the regular season. Like that's spring training is both beneficial to players, major league players. I would add sucks for minor league players Uh Um, and owners because Revenue that is very minimal for the other. And I don't, I don't, I use minimal loosely, um, but revenue that's minimal for NBA, uh, especially the NHL um, and the NFL is a huge market for baseball. Um, yes. It's in a different location, but still like, have you, have you ever been to a spring training game? I have no. not. Okay. Well, to put it into perspective, uh, At their peak, a ticket to sit in a seat at the Chicago Cubs spring training facility was like 80 bucks.
0: We talked about this last week. Yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Um, I think it's very interesting that that would still happen. Most Mm -hmm. again, for health, for health reasons. Um, And I just, I want to know what the margins are on that for owners Mm -hmm. as well. Because Arizona spring training is very expensive.
2: Mm.
1: Very expensive. Hmm. Unless you're in a lawn seat, which is cool, and you know, but location-wise, like Dodgers spring training tickets are not cheap, um, and you're only seeing your favorite players for like five innings, mm-hmm. yet you're paying premium dollar. So, that's a money maker. Um,
0: Speak. I mean, speaking of spring trainings, kind of, the minor league has started theirs. Yes, they thank goodness. Don't have the same contract or stipulations that the MLB does
1: Mm -hmm. which makes labor disputes a little bit interesting too because I think Mm -hmm. there are some things that the major leagues are fighting for the minor leagues Mm -hmm. but I don't think they necessarily have to because there's a minor league players union um, and although the uh, minor league teams are MLB affiliated they operate as different organizations
0: but don't they get paid by their parent organization
1: I would have to look into that. I don't know. I know for the NHL, yes. The AHL, I know. Because yeah. there's a weird thing. There's a weird – there's a stipulate because there could be two-way contracts where you could bury that in Grand Rapids. But also, like, we see signings every year for, like, the Red Wings. Oh, Tanner Elson has signed a
2: mm-hmm. one-year
1: contract. And he's, like, in a Red Wings jersey. And it's like
2: – yeah, He's, he's a
1: career Griffin. He, yeah, because he's signed to play with the, the Griffins. So, yeah. like, I I would have to look into that. I would like to again. This is what this is what got me into sports. Noah, we talked about this mm-hmm. off the pod. Like, sports business is fascinating to mm-hmm. me. Um, but some news and notes from minor league camp. Uh, Jackson Job uh, gave up his first home run ever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I heard, mm-hmm. and it was to Riley Green. Um, Interesting. I don't care. <laughs> You're right. I don't care if you are a 12-year-old or a 32-year-old. If you have never given up a home run in your career and you're a pitcher, that's kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, lot to be said, 18-year-old prospects are incredibly difficult to judge, especially in baseball. Example, Derek Hill, who is only 25 but has lost his, like, top 10 prospect status Mm. and really isn't a top 10 prospect, but he could be a major league player. He could be a fourth or fifth outfielder on the Tigers, Mm -hmm. but he was, he was a dude. He was a first round pick. He was. Mm -hmm. Oh my word. And now he's like, he's just, he's there. He's there sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. So like you would think that a guy who's drafted top three would, would fare better than Derek Hill, but Derek Hill was also a first round pick, I believe in the top 20. Um, don't quote me on that, but I no think, worse. I think. Um, so. Some of that you've been hearing some good stuff from there, especially um, with some of the younger guys. It seems like every time Torkelson or Green are brought up, they're hitting dingers someplace. I'm really, ex- I think I'm really excited for Green because this was an 18 year old guy
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, who are hard to judge, and I've really only heard good things.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've him. ever heard. Like, I feel like the, the narrative with Torkelson is kind of like waffled depending on where he's in, in his, where he was in his, um, his growth or whatever. But I feel like for Riley Green, it's always been steadily good. Like never, Mm. maybe not never, but usually not like over the top. Like this guy is amazing. He's going to be the guy. Like we pretty much, we stay away from that. But I think most of the time it's very much like Riley Green. Yeah. Like he's going to, he's going to be something one day. Yeah. Which I think is probably a good expectation to have on a child. Not a child. Yes. He's eighteen,
1: nineteen, but you know, he's older. No, he's he's past the eighteen old stage. I think he's in his twenties now.
0: Is he? I did not think he was that old yet. Anyways, continue.
1: I, I can I can look it up. Keep going.
0: No, I just I was just saying like I don't. I think it's. I feel like fans and media personnel can get stuck in the rut of. Really high expectations for a player, and then that—I mm-hmm. mean—it just puts him on a pedestal to fall off of, right? Um, yeah. But I feel like for the the Riley Green narrative, like he hasn't had too high of a pedestal to fall off of. Like he's—we still have high expectations for him. Don't get me wrong, but
1: he's not a number one overall pick, right? Right, but he is a top three. So
0: yes, like so, I'm saying there's still like a level of expectation. I'm not saying don't expect anything from him. Obviously, yeah. we should and hold him to a standard. Uh huh. But I'm saying all of that pressure isn't completely there, like it is for Jackson well,
1: Job. Yeah. Well, Jackson Job, and I think too, Riley Green had the had the benefit of being the third overall pick, and then Torkelson coming in as the number one overall. So all of the yeah. pressure then shifts from the, that the is youngster. True to the college player, because you have to evaluate these players a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And it helped, I think too, this sounds really weird, but it helped too that Torkelson, like his first BP was really awesome, but then he scuffled Mm -hmm. immediately out of the gate. And like, that's fine. It's a huge adjustment, right? Any, any, like you go from high school to college, golly, you, you feel like you don't know how to play the game of baseball. I experienced that. And I wasn't even a good baseball player. Mm -hmm. Um, but going from college to the pros is a completely, completely different beast. Yeah. And so Torkelson gets not the blame, but he got the pressure and the the, he coverage got the brunt of, of it. Those. Yeah. Yeah. And Riley Green, because I do think he did struggle at some point. I remember hearing that. Um, we mostly get to hear the good things in addition to all of the coverage being on guys like Torkelson.
0: Yeah. So I guess it's fair. That's fair.
1: That's good. That's good for him. But Riley Green is 21 years old now. Okay. Now. All right. And look at, he's kind of cute. He is a cutie. Yeah. He's a cutie. He's got, he's, he's got, he's pointing at his muscles. Right there. <laughs> arms. Um, yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's cool. I do like that. Um, but other than that, um, there's really nothing else that I can add until we get out of this lockout because you're, you know we signed Javier Baez, right?
0: I do, yes. That was news like that. Months ago. That
1: feels that feels like it was six years ago. <laughs> it
0: does. Wow.
1: And we signed so- Javier Baez in anticipation of another deal being done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I swear to the Lord Almighty, if we get out of this lockout and Chris Illich and Alavila make some sorry excuse that, oh, there was this lockout, and that really hurt negotiations of us trying to find. You knew the lockout was coming. You knew it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear it. We need another starting pitcher. If you are saying we're competing for World Series championships, you better do it. If we're not going to give Carlos Correa $330 million a year because we need to do other things with our roster, you better do it.
0: Or Corey is going to become a Shia LaBeouf meme
1: in your backyard. I will, I'll burn, no, I'm not going to burn down anything, but I'll go to, <laughs> I'll go to, I'll go to Comerica Park and I'll be really upset. And you'll I'll pay,
0: you'll pay them money to, to be really upset in their park. I'm not going to pay
1: them money to stand outside their I park. I didn't know if
0: you were going to protest inside or outside. That was no, my question. they not even let
1: me, they kick me out. I'd be, I know I worked for the Tigers, so I mm-hmm. know where the offices are. So I'll just be, I'll just throw tomatoes at the window <laughs> and be like, yo, Sign sign another arm. You need it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to compete in Central if you don't. Mm-hmm. The and White Sox would, are going to flap you around.
0: Correct. You'd be correct. And I think you would probably have some people join you. Even if yeah. it was just people off the street. They'd be like, yeah, that guy's got the right idea.
1: I'd bring Chris and he'd bring like 30 other people with him.
0: He would not bring 30 other people. He would see 30 other people in the streets and go, hey guys, we're going to go tomato, yes. alavila's. Yes. I'll be
1: office, I mean. And I'm not, I'm not going to threaten harm on anybody ever because they, this is recorded. So throwing tomatoes is probably the most that we can do, but golly, man, I just, if they, if they, if they fart around and give us another sorry excuse, man, I like, there was a video that I watched. It was talking about the decline and the collapse of the 2012 Tigers world series team. And it just, it made me, it made me sad. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's how I approach, like, these teams. Like, the Tigers make me sad. The Lions make me angry. Yeah. And I feel like I've said it in opposite ways before, maybe once. But, like, the Lions make me angry because, like, it's just always something. And they shoot themselves in the foot. And they just don't know how to do things. And the Tigers, it's like they had it. And now it's not – and they didn't. But now – now the Tigers are, are very much getting into making me angry territory because they are just refusing to do things that will help them win.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: I know you want to wait for your prospects and whatnot, but the Central isn't very strong. The White Sox are very good. Cleveland is, will always not be in this echelon of contender. Things have to go perfectly for them because they won't spend the money. Mm-hmm. And the Royals are not bad. And the twins are a mystery. So you have, at the very least, two bad teams in your division, a toss up, and one clear cut contender. If you can steal games from the clear cut contender, you can make some noise. Yeah. But you have to be willing to
0: make the move right forward. moves. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: <sighs> Man, I'm going to get so mad again. We'll have to just give uh, you
0: time to give your yearly alavela rant when something I, actually happens.
1: I hope they televise minor league baseball throughout this. Oh my gosh, like, they should. Like the markets, they should, but they probably won't because baseball doesn't know how to market its sport. Sorry, Ben. I'm almost at the level that you should call the NHL. That's how bad it's gotten. Are we there yet? Oh, we're almost there. If we start canceling games and yeah, a lot okay, of games, I guess that? If we dip into this season of under a hundred games, we're calling the NHL. <laughs> Gary, play, get play, over here. Play baseball in Nova Scotia in the great North. You know, mm-hmm. oh, just F, F these guys. Oh, good Lord. Mm-hmm. All right. We got to move on. got to move on. A little bit. We got to move on to something a little bit happier. Um, the Pistons, yeah, wow. Four of their last five. I think they have won.
0: Yeah, I think it's four out of five. It's definitely yeah. three out of four, but I think it's four out of five. Okay, let me go check.
1: Do do do. It could have been. One, two, it could have been three out of four before Charlotte's game last night. Three. Or... It's three out of five. So okay. Three but, out of five. Yeah, so if we're... it's
0: if you're doing three out of four, that would be the most recent.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's let's do three out of four. The Pistons have won three out of four. <laughs> Perfect. And a, a few thoughts. Marvin Bagley has transitioned nicely into his role
2: mm-hmm. here.
1: He was he didn't play last night, but he seems to be comfortable. And we were all expecting this. Maybe we all like were some sort of
2: – Analytic
1: team. <laughs> but this, this was a guy who needed a change of scenery, didn't want to be in Sacramento, and now he comes to Detroit and he's getting some opportunity. And, and it's a little bit stress-free, mm-hmm. you know. He his numbers haven't exactly jumped off the page. I would say mm-hmm. he doesn't have a double double yet, which I'm a little concerned. Not a little concerned, but like I would think he would have at least one mm-hmm. by now. But he's been of the games that he's played, only one time he hasn't scored in double digits. Um, so you keep that up. I mean, hey, that's a that's an important piece. And the guy is like 23 years old. Sacramento gave up on him so early, so early. And like I always say. Like I was talking I was talking about this with somebody the other day. You still have to have time to develop yeah. in the NBA. Sadiq Bey yeah. is older than than Marvin Bagley. And Marvin Bagley has been in the league for I believe three more seasons than him. To just put that into perspective. Right. So right. I'm, I'm gonna double I'm gonna double check that real quick. Sadiq Bey, which, oh, by the way, Sadiq Bey had like 28 points last night. I know I saw. Kid
0: on uh, off. Um, he has been in uh Bagley has been in the league for one, two, three, four, five. This would be his uh fifth fifth season. This is his fifth okay. season.
1: Okay, and Bagley is how old?
0: Uh Bagley is twenty two.
1: Okay, so this is Bagley's fifth season and he's twenty two. Yeah. So he got this here when ba- he
0: was seventeen
1: ish. Yeah. So this is Bay's second season and he's twenty two. Yeah. So like they is only like second year pro and everyone's like, oh, like he's got such a bright future. Bagley is, has been in the league for long or twice as long as they has been. And like, people are already ready trying to write him up. Like we gotta, we gotta be better at develop or like understanding how talent develops in the NBA because on what sport ever do we just throw away the potential of a guy who's not even in his mid twenties baseball you don't even get to the majors until you're 25 or 26
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we're just ready to write off guys at 21 that doesn't make any well, sense.
0: well people anymore. were trying to write off and hayes the beginning of this this year dude's 12 <laughs> i know you and i are on the same page speaking so all the other folks
1: speaking of all the other folks okay i want to talk about the charlotte game a little bit so kelly olenek it was hilarious he had a very good game uh, but at the end of the game, uh, he came off the bench, and Killian Hayes had an inbound pass, inbound bounce pass to Olenek, like right off the bench. Um, Olenek fadeaway jumper, buzzer beater, three pointer, buzzer beater for a one point win, snaps of fifteen or fourteen game losing streak. Hol- hilarious because out of all the guys that you could pick on the court,
0: to do I know a Olenek- fadeaway jump shot, Kelly Olenek is not it. <laughs>
1: Kelly Olynyk is not. He had a great game and he's been he's been pretty good since he's been back and mm-hmm. honestly like it this team is healthy, you have the pieces that you want. They've won 3 of 4. Like I get it. It's mm-hmm. the season is over, mm-hmm. but you can carry that into the next season. This is also easily. the
0: fir- we've talked about this before I think, but this is also the first season for a lot of these guys where they're playing a full NBA schedule. Like mm-hmm. it is either have it's either been a COVID season or they have not played in the NBA before. Like this is yeah. such a young team, and I can imagine that they're exhausted, sure. right? Uh, and I think because I, I watched the the Celtics game, and I think that that was kind of like what I saw. Like once, like first through third quarter, they were neck and neck. It was within three points the entire time, and then we got to yeah. two and a half minutes into the fourth, and it was like everybody was exhausted. People were sloppy people were not at their posts like it it was just not the best because they got tired and I'm sure they got in their heads a little bit after a certain amount of those shots went in like yeah and so I think that there will be a learning curve in that regard for them sure and so I think next season is going to be a pretty good like indicator of where this team actually is in terms of talent and cohesiveness because I think they're just trying to push through exhaustion at this point
1: yeah I think that's a fair point Um, and I feel like you hear that a lot for good teams that have struggling young players. Like, oh, they need to get their legs under them. They need Mm -hmm. to figure out the schedule. And, like, but like for bad teams, like, oh, they're just bad. It's like, that's not necessarily the case. You know,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, these guys are practically, they're barely out of their teenage years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get they're adults, they're, they are, they are men for sure. Yeah. Um, but still, uh, Another piece I want to talk about. There was there was some rumblings of people wanting to trade Jeremy Grant because that would open up the space and allow Sadiq Bay to take over mm-hmm. um, and become that guy. Uh, I watched specifically Grant in that overtime uh, quarter. He took over. He didn't miss a shot from from the field. Mm-hmm. Like, he just played. He just played hero ball, and that's that's. A lot of Pistons fans are talking about, like, oh, he encapsulates hero ball. To an ex- I mean, not like – he he's a, a, he's a clutch shooter. Yeah. And he gives you that bucket when you need it the most. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, he didn't get traded. We all kind of expected him to. A lot of people think he's going to get traded at the draft. But do we want him to be traded at this point? I mean, you just did see a game where Grant was able to take control, and Bay had 28 points. Mm-hmm. And Cunningham had finished with, I think, 17 on the spot. Alinek had 16. Mm-hmm. And Hayes does what he does, you know, not not as a shot, but like as, you know, facilitating, at least right now. Mm-hmm. He's got pretty good court vision. And he had a great pass to Alinek to set up for the game winning shot. So it was an inbound, but who cares? Um, do you want to get rid of a guy like that? I mean, for draft picks, I understand. And like, but like,
0: I don't okay. think it would be a losing situation either way. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, if we got traded and we got good return for it, that's that's a win. You get draft capital, you get another player, whatever. Like, that would be, that would be a net positive, in my opinion. But yeah. you also keep Jeremy Grant, and he continues to play as he is. That's also a net positive because he's winning you games, and, and he's the veteran presence along with mm-hmm. Olenek. Like, they're able to be that morale center of the team. Yeah. I don't think that you can lose horribly in either situation. Yeah. That's that, that's I, my opinion on Jeremy Grant.
1: <laughs> I agree. And I, I think a lot of people are caught up in his age. He'll be 28 in March. Um, right. Which means that next year he'll be 29. And how quickly do you think this thing is going to get turned around is the real question. Yeah. But all, also things can get turned around real quickly in the NBA anyway. I mean, look at the Cavs right now. Cavs were horrible two years ago. Mm-hmm. like like one of the worst teams in the league. And now they're fourth in the East and a legitimate contender. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and that was real simple guy like Evan Mobley, Jared Allen has exploded. Um, Colin Sexton hasn't played, but like led by those two guys, they've been able to play some really, really good basketball. Yeah. Um, And it was a very, very quick turnaround in the East is a league where you can have a quick turnaround very easily. Like the top Mm -hmm. four are pretty set in stone right now. Uh, the Sixers, the Bucks, uh, the Heat, and I guess Cleveland now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Nets are kind of a mess, um, given that they traded hard into the Sixers. The rest of the rest of the field is fairly wide open, I would think. Like the Knicks were the four seed last year; they're going to miss, I think, even the play-in tournament, <laughs> um, which is hard to do <laughs> unless you're the Pistons or the Magic. Right. <laughs> um, so, I. I I guess I'm in the office of if you've got a, if you have a, and for, and let's face it, for the Pistons, Jeremy Grant is a game changing player. Mm -hmm. If you have a game changing player, why would you be so quick to trade that piece away? You know, if they have, if they go into next year, they keep them and they're at the deadline and they're not competitive, then sure. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Move on. He's your oldest piece. He can give you some value. You could probably get a first round pick or more. Probably even two. I don't know. Right. Um, then roll with that. But if you're in the thick of things, if you are, if you are next year's Cleveland Cavaliers, because you're going to get a high draft pick this year, why would you, why on earth would you trade a guy like that? Wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but this is the NBA. Things don't make sense, and if you don't have, if you're not an upper echelon team, sometimes it's not even worth it to compete, um, and just build that capital so you can eventually change the tides and draft a generational player, which we may think we have, Mm -hmm. but still jury's still out. Um, But it's early. It's
2: his first season.
1: Yeah. Exciting, exciting games. The past. Yeah. They have been fun to watch for sure.
0: For sure. For sure.
1: Been enjoying that. So, yeah.
0: Speaking of wild and unexplainable games, um the Red Wings did, did play a game recently. Um their goalies didn't show up, but neither oh, did Toronto's. Gosh. So oh, gosh.
2: I don't want to talk about it.
0: <laughs> For those of you unaware, um the most recent game that the Red Wings have played was a ten to seven loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you think that's ridiculous the score at the beginning of the third period was seven to two Red Wings or Toronto. Whoa, Toronto oh, definitely not, definitely Red not the Red Wings. No, 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 no. no. Toronto was winning, winning seven to two, and then the Wings had four unanswered goals. Toronto scored again. Red Wings scored one more time, and then Toronto scored three. Shorthanded. Yes, shorthanded, and I think the biggest the biggest commentary I can make on this game right now is it was an embarrassment for both teams. It was God awful for both. Nobody won that game. I know what the score sheet says. Nobody won that game. Nobody, absolutely. No one won that game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The final score of a hockey game, unless it's in the 1970s should never be.
0: Do, do you know the projected score for that game? What Do you know what it was? Do you know what the projected? Probably.
1: I'm going to say 6-3. to
0: No, no, no. The projected total goals, regardless of who scored them, was 4.8 goals.
1: Oh, gosh. Well, 4.8. So so they were projected that the Wings were going to get shut out.
0: No, I think they were 0. getting, I think the projection was a, it was a 3-2 situation.
1: I know. They'd never play well against Toronto, especially no. as of late. And Toronto just feasts off of them. Well, I think I think two... How many players had a hat-trick on
2: Toronto?
0: Um, I know there was at least one. Definitely one. I don't know if we, there was more than one. I think multiple people had two, but I don't think there were two threes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would have to imagine being at that game would be an absolute electric factory. Because, like... Because, like, for all intents and purposes, Toronto fans, when they come and visit, are fairly... Respectable, fairly, I should say. I've never had a bad interaction with a Toronto fan, and the and the Toronto fan interactions I have had were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the point, so like, there's usually a lot of Toronto fans in Detroit when they come and play,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so you had some energy from that side when there was a ton of goals, and then obviously you had the Detroit energy when they came back and came within one. Um, but holy smokes! Just horrible goaltending after goal, t- like horrible goaltending after horrible goaltending. Both goalies um, got pulled. Pr- both goalies got pulled, and then, g- and, and then, <laughs> and no, we- Nadelkovich got pulled. Grice came in, and then he got pulled for Nadelkovich, who had already been pulled in the game. huh. Yeah. So, just a mess, absolute mess, and an absolute tragedy. Uh, just all Toronto's around. goalie forgot how to stop pucks for a period of time, and a came in, and that didn't necessarily help all that much either. No, um, but just holy smokes! Yeah, I don't, I, I would go ahead. I will, I will say that some of the commentary was talking, there was like at least two Toronto goals that was just like. Puck, luck, bounce, like, right at a dude's stick Mm -hmm. off of a good defensive play, Mm -hmm. wide open. That There's at least two goals like that. Well, okay,
0: so hold on. Before you go any farther, we need to talk about that situation exactly, where they left the best goal scorer in the NHL in front of the net. Both defensemen were on the left side of the ice. Both of them just staring, and then they watched the puck go to Austin Matthews, and it banked off the back like have you seen the graphic both stetcher and stall are way over sorry about that everybody um cory's mike died and then he had to leave for practice so we're just i'm gonna go solo on the rest of this one which is totally fine um yeah back to austin matthews just being completely wide open in front of that net it it just completely atrocious all around a full on disaster. Um, he uh, he was left wide open. I don't even know how to like explain it other than just em- embarrassment. Like I said earlier, he the the Red Wings, the, the Leafs, overall just a a trash <laughs> a trash example of hockey. Like if I can't imagine if that was your first time. If you turn on hockey for the first time and that was what you would see. Or that was what you saw. You would probably think it was super exciting, but then you watch your next game and you'd be like, "Well, hold on, timeout. Why? Where are all the goals? There are supposed to be more things happening here." Anyways, um, I watched a clip. Uh, Steve Dangle, um, does all of the Leafs games live, right? And so he had a little highlight clip of that third period where they started getting goal after goal, um because Toronto's goalies just forgot how to stop pucks for a hot second, even though that they were bad bounces and terrible goals and like, should not have gone in even remotely. <laughs> and he just put his head down and he goes, can you imagine a moment of peace? I was like, dude, I feel, I feel that. I feel that so heavily. Um, but yeah, overall just a, an absolute dumpster fire of a game. Um. Yeah, so that happened. On the other side, some good news: Mo Cider is getting more recognition um, nationally, not just locally, not just within our division. Mo Sider is being re- recognized more nationally by reporters and by the NHL and um, by fans. So that's really encouraging, really exciting to see, um, because that means well, that means a couple things. One. Even though the Red Wings are are nowhere near or nowhere close to, sorry boys, I'm gonna uh, take this opportunity to speak my piece about the playoffs. Even though that Toronto game kind of explained why they would not be able to make it make it to the playoffs, but then hang in the playoffs if by some miracle that they made it to the first round. Even though that is a reality that we're living with, Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond. Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi are there. Those are the guys that are still showing that they're capable and they're able to grow and they're growing in the right direction. Um, so that is, that's so encouraging to see the fact, and I feel like I've said this for every team in the last year. <laughs> um, it's like we have the, we don't have all of the talent, but the players are growing in the right direction. I, I feel like a broken record. Um, but, truly, like, that is that is so encouraging to see, um, and because he is doing veteran defenseman-ish, Lucas Raymond- no, 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 Moe Sider is getting the recognition he deserves. Um, am I still uncomfortable with how the general population and some of reporters see Trevor Zegers for me to call Mo a lock for the calder? Yes, that also could just be my bias in how they're perceiving perceiving uh, Trevor Zegras. Who knows? Honestly, I don't think we'll know really who wins the Calder until like the last two weeks of of play. But we that right, it may, remains to be seen, right? Um, and yeah, Mo Sider, he's just doing like like I said, he's doing grown up defenseman nonsense. He is so calm and collected on that blue line. He does everything within his power to keep the pucks in. And he doesn't even have to like I feel like for the last since Nick retired, I guess, we've been watching players scramble to keep the puck in the middle or in in the onside on sides, right? We've watched players like dive and and rush and try to get there as fast as they can because they can't read the play happening in front of the goal, in front of the net. They can't see how the puck is going to bounce or how it's going to fall out, and Mo doesn't have that problem. He is he seems 8 times out of 10 in the right position, able to read the play, able to see where the puck is going before it even leaves remotely close to a player. Um so that's super exciting. He's also just so calm and collected in how his stick handling is gorgeous as usual. Um, but he is capable of just reading the full field and making the passes that matter when they matter, avoiding um, avoiding opposing players when it matters, and just generally being a calm, collected human being on the ice, which again, we have not had since Nick Lidstrom retired in 2012. And that is refreshing, relieving, astounding. You could use all of those words. Um, So yeah, it's super encouraging to see Mo get a little bit more recognition. Um, Let me just see if I can give you a update on the rookies here. So for number one, we still have Lucas Raymond. Um, Our boy is still doing pretty good. He is at 42 points, 15 goals, and 27 assists. Michael Bunting is at 40 points, 18 goals, and 22 assists the only note that a lot of people have made with him is that he is an older rookie. I think he's closer to his mid 20s. He might be 25, 26. I'm not 100% sure, don't quote me. Um so that's that he's there. And then Trevor Ziegris is at 3 with 39 points, 26 assists and 13 goals. Mo Sider uh, coming in at 4th with 39 points, 34 assists and 5 goals. So he him and Trevor Ziegris are currently tied with points. Um with Mo having obviously an exorbitant amount of assists there, but I think what really is telling here is that Mo is the he's the only defenseman that's got that many points. The next defenseman in line is Jamie Drysdale, uh, Drysdale, no, no, Jamie Drysdale, um, with 22 points, three goals, and 19 assists. He's the next defenseman on this list, and that's just in rookies and Mo Sider is on I think he's within top 15 top a lot of defensemen just generally at this point like he is as a rookie as a 20 year old rookie leading not leading within the range of being one of the best defensemen in the league like he's going to get Norris votes I will be shocked if he doesn't get more than a couple of them because he is just he is that good. Um and I think honestly that goes to show we should never doubt Steve Eiserman ever again. Yeah, we should never doubt Steve Eiserman ever again. I think that he has been proven over and over that when he takes big swings, he is usually right. I can't think of one time when he was wrong. He's taken smaller swings that haven't worked out. We can see that with the a couple of, like, the one-year contracts that he signed over the last two years. And those are fine. Because we didn't really lose anything there. But with the bigger swings, with the, the sixth overall pick, you want him to swing big and you want him to hit right. And thus far, Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. So... That is a happy note that we can end on for this episode of the CNC replay. Um, thank you all so much for listening. I'm sorry the ending was a little weird, but we got to do what we got to do. Some of us have uh, other obligations we got to hang out with. So, if you want to reach us on social media, we're on Twitter and Instagram at the CNC Sports Pod. And you can also shoot us an email with any questions or commentary. You can yell at Chris and Corey that way. Please don't yell at me. Uh, and we will see you next week. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Hey everybody, this is Noel. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. We'll see you next week.